Welcome to Scoop with Steve Football. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scoop with Steve Football. I hope that everyone has enjoyed uh, week one of the preseason. I've been writing up my fantasy board and uh, getting ready to record these uh, running back, quarterback, and uh, wide receiver shows. Uh, but uh happened to realize that uh, NFL Game Pass uh, has coaches film of the preseason available for, I believe, the first time. So really excited to dig into that in the upcoming week. Uh, however, uh, right now I'm ready to talk fantasy. And uh, in this show, I'm going to get into uh, the running backs board. I uh, wanted to touch on the uh, top 30 players, which uh, gets to uh, 34 with honorable mentions. So I'll try to keep this moving along and stay under an hour. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Stephen Clinton. I study a lot of NFL film and use that to inform a uh, machine learning model that spits out NFL game projections and player statistics for gambling and fantasy football purposes uh you can learn more about getting full access to uh those fantasy projections as well as my draft boards at scubastifootball.com uh all right let's get into how i have the running back stacked uh heading into the fantasy draft season and uh these projections are hot off the press and i'm working how to uh, stack everything in the full context of my draft board for the season but i am ready to roll on the positional groupings and uh, i guess before i get uh, in started on the running backs here i'll, I'll let you know uh, this will be a little bit later in the show that we get to the top of the board uh, start with the honorable mentions and and, and move our way up but uh, I'm taking a little bit different approach than the consensus on uh, running backs this year and I am uh, uh, I've gotten kind of tired of uh, playing that playing the same old names who I know are kind of reaching the end and and I think are you know maybe a little bit more injury prone so uh, this year I'm uh, I'm stacking the the young uh, guns pretty high on my board and uh, you know there's there's a few names at the top of the board that that have a little bit more of a, a proven track record I'm still kicking around whether or not I might change up a couple of those names in the week to come here. Right? If so, those updates will be available through uh, scubacfootball.com and then uh, my Substack, where I'll have all, all, all of the fantasy projections available through the uh, the premium subscription. But, um, you know, for the time being, uh, I've got four four older guys and then a, a bunch of young dudes. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit here. So anyway, uh, running backs, let's uh, hop into the uh, honorable mentions here. So um, we've got two two different classes in the honorable mentions here. So the, uh, the first two are a, a pair of running backs who are uh, the uh, playing and second fiddle in their offenses that could both be pretty good offenses with the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. So those two backs are A.J. Dillon, uh, who's headed into his fourth year with the Green Bay Packers, and then Zach Charbonnet, the uh, rookie second round pick out of a UCLA who would play for Michigan earlier in his career. So, you know, with, with both A.J. Dillon and Zach Charbonnet, they're um, you know, looking to fit into, you know, I've kind of got this projection range of maybe 700 to 1,000 total yards, three to seven total touchdowns. Um, You can see the fantasy projections there if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, if not, you know, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, go catch up with all, all, all the detailed numbers over at scubistyfootball.com. Don't try, don't, don't need to worry about the exact fantasy numbers uh, if, you, if you're listening here. But, uh, you know, with both A.J. Dillon and Zach Charbonnet, you're looking at, you know, physically imposing backs. We're supposed to, you know, add, add some physicality. So, you know, A.J. Dillon, you know, uh, maybe last year wasn't you know his best year uh, I, I think that he himself uh, has said that he's got some things he's trying to work on going into this fourth year but you know you think back to the way that this guy played down the stretch in his second year when he was just an absolute load for the Green Bay Packers as they got into the cold months up there at, at Lambeau Field and you know AJ Dillon is just you know he's a quality back he should be a big part of the Packers offense so definitely a, a fantasy uh, consideration and then Zach Charbonnet I mean just uh, throwing on his highlight tape you know I don't break down college film but uh, you know I like to uh, as we get 
closer to fantasy season just get yeah, get a feel for these guys you know physical body type you know kind of what, what what sort of movement traits they have and you know charbonnet is definitely another twitched up running back for the seahawks so between him and kenneth walker they have got a lot of explosiveness at the running back position in seattle so that's going to be a fun group to watch and then you know the two other honorable mentions here are uh buffalo's james cook and uh then kansas city's jerick mckinnon who was a huge waiver wire pickup for for some uh last season as it became clear that you know clyde edwards Lair wasn't going to be the guy for kansas city and then you know if you're playing ppr and and that's why where i want to mention james cook and jerick mckinnon specifically is if you're playing ppr these guys are, are going to do probably more damage as receivers than runners and you know they just get a huge added boost in that scoring format and can be you know kind of a, a kind of a skeleton key kind of thing uh you know back, back pocket card to play to up fill out the running back position if you don't get to the guys at the top of the draft board so those are two names certainly worth mentioning you know james cook uh you know i know uh he certainly is looking to compete for that bell cow role with the buffalo bills but i think that with them signing um uh damian harrison and latavius murray uh, neither of whom are on this list but who could definitely end up uh you know getting into the mix fantasy mix as the season goes on depending on you know exactly how buffalo uh, divvies up those carries uh yeah i think that those guys are, are going to get you know the bulk of the carries to uh, establish a, a physical presence for the bills and then you know james cook will do his thing as a pass catching back uh with naheem hines uh you know out after that jet ski incident um Unfortunately, uh, you know, James Cook has a real clear role here as the pass catching back in Buffalo. All right, moving into uh, tier eight. So got um, two names here that are uh, really just the primary ball carrier for their team uh, working with, you know, uh, more of a pass catching back. And then uh, the first back I'll talk about here is, uh, is uh, Javante Williams from the Denver Broncos, who was, you know, uh, quite a bit higher uh, going into the last uh season's fantasy drafts uh you know uh, Javante Williams unfortunately tore his ACL last year and you know he struggled along with the entire Denver Broncos offense out of the gate but you know at, at his best Javante Williams um you know he was a physical uh ball carrier with you know um just you know gr great juice in the short areas you know I don't think of him as necessarily a guy who has you know long breakaway speed but he is definitely you know shifty underneath and can make guys miss and uh you know is uh, more than capable of dragging some guys after the tap uh, um after contact and um capable receiver as well so you know Javante Williams, you know, kind of the ideal if it was maybe he would be the three down back for the Denver Broncos that was certainly what some folks were hoping he would emerge as so you know Coming off an ACL tear, you know, it's always a dicey proposition, but, you know, by all accounts, that, that, that process is going well for him. So maybe it takes Javante Williams a little bit of time to scale up, but he could get back to that Belco uh, role. So I think he's got the most upside of the backs I've got listed here. But then I've got, you know, San Francisco's Elijah Mitchell and uh, and New Orleans' uh, Jamal Williams. And, and just as a quick aside with, with these tiers, I really do have these guys grouped so that I'm indifferent between these three players. I'll change it up in different drafts like it. I would be perfectly fine letting a random number generator pick uh, between these three players for me if that's the board. Um, you know, and that's why I stack it in tiers that way. So it's a very easy decision process come draft time. I'm not, you know, continuing to have debates in my mind while I'm on the clock, right? So uh, the two other players on the board, though, are Elijah Mitchell and uh, Jamal Williams. And, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell uh, continued to have a role for the Niners as a between-the-carries back uh, um, 
even after uh, Christian McCaffrey was acquired, and I expect that to continue. Um, you can check out my Niners preview for some of my more in-depth discussion on how I think Kyle Shanahan might use both Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey as sort of uh, wingbacks, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, contributing as both pass catchers and ball carriers. But, you know, McCaffrey has a ton of a tread on the tire at this point. And with the Niners having Super Bowl aspirations, I don't think they want to burn him out uh, having uh, CMC carry the ball, you know, and try to be a thousand thousand player again. He's done that once in his career, right? So I think Elijah Mitchell continues to, you know, have, have a role between the tackles and, you know, maybe 12 to 15 carries a game. Not going to have a big role in, in the passing attack, but in an OPPR league, he, you know, takes on even, even more value. Uh, down in New Orleans, Jamal Williams comes over from the Detroit Lions after just a sensational season in terms of his touchdown total for the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, that's going to be a difficult thing to, to replicate. That was certainly a, if you're familiar with it, you know, how in Major League Baseball, uh, there was a time when, you know, I know early in the analytics stages that it became clear that saves were very overvalued because that's a very situational thing, right? You know, Jamal Williams coming into a drive and, you know, getting his first touch on the two yard line and scoring a touchdown to me was a, a little bit similar to that. But, you know, at the same time, Jamal Williams is a very good back uh, in in his role, I guess you'd say. And um, I expect him to continue to contribute in New Orleans. And he has, um you know, some added value because the first three weeks of the season when Alvin Kamara is going to be out of the lineup, Jamal Williams uh, will probably take on an expanded role. Um, particularly, I just saw a headline before I started the show that Keandre Miller apparently got hurt so i don't know what the deal is with that but if keandre miller is not available as well for those first three weeks i mean the saints might sign a kareem hunt to supplement jamal williams but i would expect jamal williams to you know be a bell cow back those first three weeks of the season so that you know makes him uh interesting for both best ball and then obviously you'll want to be a bit uh, aware of that going into the dfs season but you know as a little bit of interest to uh, Jamal Williams to, to round out tier eight here. So those are uh, running backs uh, 28 through 30 and just realized that I've got the tight end 30 on there. So I'll live with that. I'll get that switched out on my website, but I'll live with that for the YouTube video. Um, anyways, uh, moving on to uh, running backs uh, 23 to uh, running back 27. Uh, we've got um, a group of veteran um, backs here who are all, you know, slated to have a large number of carries, but um, are either in, you know, maybe uh, less than ideal situations or, or simply aren't the most explosive backs in the world. So uh, running backs 23 through 27 are uh, Detroit's David Montgomery, uh, Carolina's Miles Sanders, uh, Washington's Brian Robinson Jr., Arizona's James Conner, and uh, Los Angeles Rams uh, Cam Akers. So uh, I've got these guys uh, projected for somewhere between 900 and 1,200 total yards and and maybe in between four and eight total touchdowns. Um so running buzzing through this group, um, you know, David Montgomery and, and Miles Sanders are are both kind of, you know, he's in the same pod in that they uh both got, you know, pretty darn good contracts for a running back on, on this year's open market. And, you know, I, a little bit surprising in both cases. You know, I think that David Montgomery and Miles Sanders are both fine players at the running back position. I don't necessarily see them as difference makers. I think that, you know, Jameer Gibbs, the the Alabama uh back, um, actually Alabama slash Georgia Tech uh, back that uh, the um, Lions draft in the first round is is likely to, you know, be 
end up having the starring role in that tandem because he's simply a more dynamic player. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, Montgomery's numbers with the Bears, I mean, they nothing to write home about, right? You know, Dave Montgomery is a fine between the tackles back who's going to, you know, handle a lot of carries, but he's, you know, not an explosive player. And then, you know, Miles Sanders um is being counted on to be Carolina's lead back. Um, you know, we'll see how he handles that role. He uh, was certainly extremely successful in as favorable a situation as you could imagine for a running back in Philadelphia this past year. Uh, you know, and, and Sanders has always been a quality back. I'm not trying to, you know, suggest he's not an NFL caliber back, just that, you know, again, you know, paying these guys um, as if they're, you know, big time difference makers um, or, or difference makers uh, was, was just a little bit of a surprise to me in, in, in the modern age. So, you know, I, as I say, the expect them to both handle a bunch of carries. So, you know, same, same could be said of Brian Robinson Jr. Who, I mean, miraculous uh, recovery from his gunshot wounds uh, suffered uh, in training camp plus preseason of last year. I can't remember the exact timing of that, but you know, Hey, he'll be back in uh, better than ever I would expect. And uh, you know, Robinson is a very steady uh, between the tackles back who can keep the chains moving. He's not the most explosive guy in the world, but he's, you know, physical. He, he is, you know, not an easy tackle by any means. And I think that with what Washington wants to do with, uh, you know, either Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, uh, you know, Robinson Jr. is, is going to continue to, you know, be the focal point in the run game. So he's he's another player who, like um, uh, Eli Mitchell, you know, probably has a little bit more value in no PPR um, than a, a PPR league, um, you know, just because he is, you know, probably going to do the bulk, bulk of his work uh, on handoff. So Arizona's James Conner is, you know, maybe a player that is best to just pass on, to be honest with you. You know, I lo- love James Conner's story. I remember following him at back at Pitt. Um, and, you know, Conner has certainly had some really good years in the NFL. But, um, you know, I've got him projected here because – Arizona's depth chart is so thin behind him. So it's hard to imagine anybody's going to challenge him for carries, but you know, James Conner is typically, you know, ended up getting injured when he ends up carrying the ball too much. And there's not a whole lot of upside to this Arizona offense. I really, you know, most people are expecting the Cardinals to struggle and I'm one of them. So, you know, but at the same time, I do have Conner here because if he does end up, you know, carrying, you know, a significant carry share, then he's he certainly worth a pick at, at, at this stage in, in, in the running back rankings. And then, you know, Cam Akers uh, is in something of a similar situation with the Rams. Um, you know, I'd say that just because the players behind him are a little more unknown, maybe I'd say they've got a little more upside than, you know, I believe it's Keontae Ingram and Corey Clement um, for the Arizona Cardinals, um, which is, you know, seen a decent amount of those too. So um, not, not expecting a ton there. Um, Cam Akers, Still, though, is probably the most talented back on the Rams. And, uh, you know, again, the Rams, it, it might not be pretty this year. But, you know, um, the, the reason I'd say that Cam Akers isn't a guy that I would necessarily pass on in the same way as James Conner is that, you know, I got a lot of faith in Sean McVay. He's a head football coach. And um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I can look at their depth chart right now and expect any great things this year. But I definitely couldn't have looked at the Rams, uh, you know, roster heading into Sean McVay's first season and expected what was going to happen that year. So I'm going to leave that door open uh, and give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, You know, no offense to Jonathan Gannon down in Arizona there, but, uh, you know, just first time head coach and total unknown versus somebody who's done it before. So, you know, if, if the Rams do get things clicking with Matthew Stafford at quarterback and, you know, Cooper Cup at wide receiver, that's not a total, um, you know, uh, impossibility by any means um and if that does happen then cam Akers could end up being you know 
carrying the lion's share of the load for a you know reasonably productive offense so who knows you know it's uh you know obviously i'm uh, you know or well i guess maybe not obviously but i am projecting the the rams to be a lower end offense but you know we're always wrong about uh you know more things than one uh every time we're projecting the nfl season hopefully right about some things as well but you know hey Going to miss on some things and have to keep that in mind. So uh, moving on to running back tier six. So running backs 19 through 22. So this is where uh, New Orleans Alvin Kamara slots in. So uh, as mentioned, uh, you need to be aware that Alvin Kamara won't be available for the first three weeks of the season. So, you know, if you're getting into a position where you might be drafting him, you have to kind of look at where your roster is and, you know, what your needs are going to be during those first three weeks. Uh, That said, you know, if the Saints get, or when the Saints get Alvin Kamara back for week four, you know, this is a guy who, you know, for one thing, I'm hoping that maybe he, um, yeah, I don't think he'll get back to being quite as explosive and efficient as he was in his earliest years. He's just, you know, just taken a lot of touches in the NFL and been tackled a lot of times by a lot of, you know, physically imposing men who play defense for these NFL teams. So, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. But with Jamal Williams there to handle some of the between the tackles work, I think that maybe Kamara can get back to more of a pass catching role um, that, that he thrived in in his first few years in the league before he was kind of forced to take on more of the load uh, when things didn't work out after the you know, Saints tried to move on from Latavius Murray to Tony Jones Jr. And that just kind of blew up on the launch pad two years ago. But, um, you know, I think Kamara could be more efficient in that role. And, you know, wherever you pick him up, if you've got, you know, the luxury of stashing Alvin Kamara on your uh, on your bench for three weeks, I mean, that's a, that's a nice play to have down the road. Um, I've got two big gambles here in in uh, Philadelphia's running back tandem with DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. And, you know, it, with these two, I would have, you know, really no debate, I guess, with anybody who wanted to put them behind all of those tier seven backs I just listed off. Um, You know, just because if you want to take a more conservative option, those are guys are definitely the way to go. DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny have both had issues staying on the field. Um, There's a reason that their former teams elected to, you know, move on from them. Um, You know, DeAndre Swift, you know, (laughs) getting, you know, uh, kind of a rude kick out the door after the uh, Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs in the first round with him still on the roster. And, uh, you know, but uh, there are, you know, that opens up a game for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they pick up Rashad Penny, I believe, in in free agency. But, you know, for for whatever flaws these guys have, uh, there's no question on tape why they were drafted in the first round. You're talking about a pair of ultra, ultra explosive running backs and, with the types of running lanes that you open up in Philadelphia and, you know, yeah, I mean, just uh, the amount of work that Miles Sanders was able to do in this offense, I can't imagine uh, the way that these two guys are going to be able to take it to the house. So I really like uh, Philadelphia gambling on these two and, and rolling the dice on them. So I am uh, more than willing to uh, pull the trigger on one, if not both of them. Like, you know, I'll just kind of see how drafts play out. Um, you know, pro- Probably really want to stick to one of them, though, uh, to be honest with you, because it is a high-risk gamble, but I think that it could pay off in either case. Um, you know, Swift, uh, you know, could end up, uh, you know, being more of the pass catching back if they end up uh, playing both of these guys and, you know, maybe Kenneth Gainwell and, and Boston Scott and company kind of fade into the shadows. Uh, you know, that's the best case scenario. Uh, if not, obviously, Philadelphia has a solid contingency plan behind those guys. And hey, if, if, if Swifty and Penny do, uh, you know, don't work out, then you'll have that opportunity to pick up their backups on waivers because whoever is playing running back for the Eagles is going to be a productive player if Jalen Hurts is playing quarterback. So just kind of the nature of the offense, right? So, and then, uh, you know, speaking of 
guys with big time upside. Let's uh, stick uh, Seattle's Kenneth Walker the third there as the uh, fourth name in this running back nineteen to twenty two grouping. So you know Kenneth Walker the third. I mean just very, very boom bust nature to to uh, not just his uh, games but his individual rushing attempts. I think you could say, but in terms of just uh, you know high end uh, twitch and explosion and, and ability to pull away from NFL defenses, Kenneth Walker. Uh, is a very impressive player. So, you know, I think the Seahawks, you know, expect them to continue to emphasize the run, uh, even with them drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round uh, to uh, join DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and form, you know, uh, probably the best uh, wide receiver trio west of uh, Cincinnati. I think that you're still going to see Seattle emphasize the run because I think that you just need to keep Geno Smith kind of – governed in I, I for lack of a better term i i don't think that gino would necessarily thrive if you asked him to you know have say a 70 percent pass rate I, I think that he's going to be much better off uh you know having a, a more controlled offense that runs the ball um a little bit more and, and just you know allows him to take controlled shots down the field but doesn't ask him to you know carry the whole thing so that's running back tier six uh moving on to uh tier five um, so this is just a uh, two running back tier here with uh, running back tier five, and it's uh, two uh, guys entering their second year. So the first is Isaiah Pacheco, who, you know, who doesn't know who Isaiah Pacheco is after the way the uh, Rutgers uh, seventh round pick uh, emerged for the Kansas City Chiefs down the stretch last year. Uh, you know, reports are that Pacheco has been trying to, you know, uh, add to his game as a receiver uh, this past offseason, which is a uh, very wise thing to do, given the way the uh, market treats running backs who aren't receivers uh, in this day and age. Um, so excited to see that. And even if, you know, he doesn't add a ton there, you know, I expect him to be the lead ball carrier in Kansas City again. And, you know, you can go check out my article or podcast on the Chiefs for the preseason. But I talked in there about how, in my opinion, that interior offensive line in Kansas City with left guard Joe Tooney, uh, center Creed Humphrey, and, and right guard Trey Smith is just an absolute weapon. Um, pr- pretty cool. You got to check out uh, Brandon Thorne and uh, uh, his uh, O-line uh, draft, uh, fantasy draft. With, uh, he did that with Jeff Schwartz and uh, Duke May- May- uh, Mayweather, I believe it was, over at uh, – trench warfare but uh all three of those players on the kansas city line were uh drafted on onto their three five-man units so uh i was glad to see all three of those players make it into the mix there after uh after throwing out some plaudits their way earlier this summer so you know i think that with that interior three it's a very favorable situation to run the ball from uh not to mention the you know threat that patrick mahomes is so you know i expect pacheco to continue to be a really productive player for the kansas city chiefs and then damian pierce man i can't wait to see this guy in a more functional offense damian pierce was so much fun to watch last year i mean you talk about a guy who first off you know just in terms of that you know somebody who gets the zone running scheme the whole shanahan system you know in terms of just the instincts the one cut ability the vision all of it just you know both on the front side of the runs and, and in cutback lanes and then just having big time explosion and juice to, to hit the hole when he does it. You know, when I think back to last year's rookie draft class of running backs, um, you know, Tyler Allegier, uh for the Atlanta Falcons is a player that, you know, he was an acquired taste for me because he wasn't all that explosive, but as you watch him more and more, it's like, man, this guy just, his angles in the zone running game are just perfect. And then, you know, Allegier would, you know, get a few explosive runs here and there when you know the situation presented itself but you know pierce is to me a similar runner in terms of the vision but then he's just got so much more twitch and juice that he's gonna you know naturally produce more explosive runs and he's gonna produce them by making defenders miss and you know all all those things that you know alagir does from 
time to time. But yeah, there's a reason that the, the Falcons went out and added B. John Robinson to the mix as well, right? So um moving on to running back tier four. And this is a really big running back tier. And this is, yeah, I mentioned earlier that I'm going young. So there's some players here that I've got in running backs 11 through running back 16 that are probably a surprise, uh, you know, not <laughs> so yeah in, in fact i've got uh i believe the nfl's last four rushing leaders on this list uh with derrick henry uh doing that twice before jonathan taylor did it, and then josh jacobs the most recent nfl rushing king so you know obviously i am leaning away from guys who have a, a lot of wear and tear on the on the tires and i'm looking for guys who are in you know more exciting situations to be frank and uh you know also looking for guys who are playing for better offenses because frankly as we saw with uh, jonathan taylor last year with the indianapolis colts you know i don't think any running backs really the engine uh, for an nfl offense in, in in this day and age if they ever were um you know we saw that you know i've mentioned uh, on that note you know the nfc championship game we saw as good an offense around a quarterback as we've seen just completely you know uh stop moving once once the quarterback was was out of the equation so you know i want to you know, I would prefer to get running backs who are in good situations where, you know, the offense is uh, expected to be, you know, fairly productive. That's that's ideal. And and the guys on these squads uh, with one notable exception really aren't in that position uh, moving forward. So first off, you know, Derrick Henry, obviously, you know, no questioning what Derrick Henry has done at his best. But, you know, at the same time, the, the offensive line in Tennessee has just really deteriorated in front of him, you know, at his best when he was running for 2,000 yards. I, I mean, I felt that uh, Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold, his left tackle, left guard tandem was, I mean, as physical a run blocking tandem as any in the league. They had Ben Jones at center. And I mean, it, when they were running it to the left, you know, that was just a lot, a, a mass of people coming at you in Tennessee. It was, you know, Derrick Henry's obviously a huge back, you know, he played defensive end with his physical dimensions, but he wasn't the only one beating you down in Tennessee. And at this point with them transitioning along the offensive line and, and playing some, some very, you know, small or slight players for their positions, like left tackle Andre Dillard, who they pick up from the Eagles. Um, you know, I, I believe that Aaron Brewer's uh, slated to be, to be the center this, this year and, you know, just an un undersized player. So, it's just a difficult situation to, you know, envision Derrick Henry really getting back to where he had been um, in terms of ripping off 2000 yard seasons and, and things like that. You know, Jonathan Taylor is a guy who, man, if things were right with him in the Colts, I mean, he's in an ideal situation and maybe this whole situation resolves itself. And I move Jonathan Taylor up to the top of the, the running back board, but, you know, as things stand with him away from camp and everything like that, it's just really hard to get behind the situation. And, you know, I'm not really trying to spend my first round pick or, or even a high draft pick at all on a guy who is, you know, in this sort of a dispute with the team. Now, ideally, you know, if things were working out, you know, with the Anthony Richardson stepping in for the Colts as the quarterback and, you know, presenting a threat in a quarterback centric run game, you know, Jonathan Taylor should be slated for, you know, a career year, honestly, you know, even keeping in mind that he was the NFL's rushing leader two years ago. Um, But, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how this plays out. I would say that Jonathan Taylor is the one player in this tier who is very fluid, though. Um, So uh, moving on to uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, yeah, with the New England Patriots, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is a back who I really, really like. He's a, you know, big very fluid runner for his size you know he's got surprising um you know I, I would say he's got kind of surprising stride length for one thing like he's listed at six foot 230 i believe and i kind of had him pegged as a taller guy i think you know it's 
stride length certainly strikes me that way and you know he can definitely turn up the wheels when he's into the open field um so you know i i really like Ramondre stevenson is back he's a, you know got good hands he can contribute as a pass catcher even if he's not a big time route runner but you know the new england situation is difficult i don't have really high expectations for their offense in general you can get into some of my thoughts on mac jones and and company um in my new england patriots preview so that that limits uh Ramondre stevenson here he's the one kind of younger back not a lot of tread on the tires here uh uh, but, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, am hesitant about, you know, how many touchdowns are really available in the New England offense. And then on top of that, you know, it's always so iffy taking a New England running back, uh, particularly one who threw the ball backwards last year in a tie game against the the Raiders, which we all remember Chandler Jones returning that for a touchdown. And, you know, I don't think that the Patriots are, you know, re- holding that against from Andre Stevenson. You know, I think he's the lead back going into the season, but you could certainly see how if a couple of mistakes pop up, um, given Bill Belichick's uh, penchant for uh, benching running backs, how, you know, maybe uh, you get into a situation where um, Ramondre Stevenson, is, you know, it ends up in the doghouse in New England. So that would be my my one other reason for putting him in tier four rather than punching him to tier three. And uh, and just just to confirm, I, that, that was Aaron Brewer. I was making sure I had the right name there for the uh, Tennessee center. So, you know, Brewer was playing some guard for them last year. And yeah, he's just really an undersized player to be trying to get by in the NFL. So I uh, wanted to make sure I had that right. Cause that was going to bug me the rest of the show. Um, anyway, uh, moving on to Joe Mixon with Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati is obviously the super productive offense on this list. And Joe Mixon is slated for another heavy workload. Uh, you know, they move on from Samaj P. Ryan, who goes to Denver in the off season. Uh, Travion Williams is is one of the slated backups. He's had so many injury issues. So, you know, I expect Joe Mixon to continue to get a lot of touches, both as a runner and as a receiver. But, you know, uh, for a spectacular finish as Joe Mixon had to the, the end of the 2021 season, 2022 was just a slog. And I think that, you know, all the carries piled up on him. And, you know, he's gotten into the back end of the career. And uh, I think that it, it's likely that we'll, you know, see another, you know, fairly inefficient season out of Joe Mixon. We'll see. Um, you know, it'll definitely help to have Orlando Brown up front uh, blocking in the run game. But, you know, I, I don't see that, you know, completely changing uh, a Mixon situation. Uh, Pittsburgh's Najee Harris, um, another younger back here who has a t- ton of tread on the tire already. Um, you know, P- Pittsburgh's going to, I think, take another step forward on the offensive line. I think the offense as a whole should be better. And I think Najee's going to have a huge amount of volume again. But at the end of the day, this guy has averaged less than four yards a carry in his first two years as a pro. And, um, you know, I thought that he was more explosive as a rookie. Um, and then the offensive line was better in his second year, but he, you know, I'd had a ridiculous number of carries as a rookie and he was battling a bunch of injuries his second year. And yeah, he got through the season, but you know, I, I doubt that, that, you know, playing through, you know, a, a laundry list of ailments is really, you know, benefiting him. So, you know, just being realistic about how this happens sometimes with some of these backs who get used so much early in their careers, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love watching Najee Harris's highlights because his physical running style is a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, I, I don't know. I would I'd rather be looking for somebody else to be one of my top running backs this season. I'll let somebody else buy into Najee Harris. He's, again, you know, slated to have a lot of touches, but I just, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he's he's the explosive back he was coming out of Alabama because if Najee Harris had been dropped into a different situation, it would be, you know, a whole, a whole different ball game. But, you know, he's he's had to rack up a lot of carries for an offense that lacked explosive elements to it. So, and then, you know, Josh Jacobs uh, with the Raiders, obviously last year's uh, 
leading rusher, but you know, again, Tony carries onto his body, uh, does not have a good relationship with this coaching staff that played him in the Hall of Fame game and, and this organization that is now, you know, not paying him. So, you know, I expect Josh Jacobs to show up and play on the franchise tag, but I don't know, is the the guy that you want to commit to really the one who's, you know, showing up a couple of days before the first game. And, you know, obviously Josh Jacobs is committed to himself and making sure that he, you know, is able to secure a bigger contract when he hits free agency uh, this off season, uh, you know, fingers crossed that he doesn't get franchised again, but at the same time, I guess that, you know, in this running back range, there's just other options that I would rather go with. So, you know, this, this list, as I said, this is, you know, definitely against the grain, but it allows me to do something pretty cool in tier three that I'm excited about, which is the reason that I have some of these uh, backs further down than most people. So let's uh, let's talk about tier three then. So running back five through running back 10. So most of these guys are uh, pre- pretty young backs here in. Yeah, um, sorry, I just want, thought, thought I might have that numbered wrong, but uh, I did get that one right, even if I had the tight ends in, in that early slide. Um, so getting into these running backs, um, I mean, Aaron Jones is the one who's older, but you know, Green Bay has done such a great job of, you know, limiting his his workload over the years that I'm not too worried about a drop off for him. And then, you know, I'll just keep talking Aaron Jones here, even though ATN's the first name on my list there. Um, so Aaron Jones, you know. He, even if Green Bay's offense, you know, struggles to, you know, really get on track with Jordan Love at quarterback, I expect Aaron Jones to be a fairly productive player just because, you know, the I mean, he can run, you know, uh, deeper routes as a receiver. He's a pretty versatile route runner, but he also can offer some really easy looks in the passing game. And then also just as a runner, you know, that's just an easy way to get things uh, rolling for a rookie quarterback. So I think that Aaron Jones is going to have a pretty, pretty sizable use rate for the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, offensive line is slated to be good in Green Bay. So that's why I've got Aaron Jones still up in tier three, you know, both because of his dual threat ability um, and, and then just the expectation that he's not going to drop off much. And he's, you know, played at a very high level to, to this state in his career. Moving back up that uh, list that I've got on, on the slide here, I guess if you're listening to the podcast, I uh, can't see that, but uh, we've got uh, J- Jacksonville's Travis Etienne. And I guess for the podcast listener, I should uh, read off that running backs five through 10 are uh, Jacksonville's Travis Etienne, Green Bay's Aaron Jones, Atlanta's Bijan Robinson, uh, New York Jets, Brees Hall, uh, Dallas, Tony Pollard, and then Detroit's Jameer Gibbs. So going young, going explosive. So uh, I'm looking for the upside backs and and frankly, the backs that I enjoy watching. Um, So Travis Etienne on on that note, I mean, the Jaguars, if everything clicks this year, they could be one of the best offenses in the NFL. Can't wait to see what Calvin Ridley brings on the outside and what Ridley's going to bring in terms of, you know, the resources you're going to have to devote to covering him. I mean, that's just going to make it more difficult to come down in the run game. And Travis Etienne, I mean, he's as, as explosive as they come. I mean, his his hip swivel in the open field, his ability to evade defenders and reaccelerate. I mean, with ATN, it's almost that he doesn't even have to reaccelerate. He just never slows down in his jukes. I mean, it is truly a joy to watch. Um, he is the single biggest reason that Texans safety. Um, oh my gosh, uh, am I gonna miss this? Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, Jalen Petrie. Um, yeah, Houston Texans safety, Jalen Petrie, who. I racked up a huge number of box score stats last year. And, you know, in a lot of ways is a very promising player, but yeah, 
Jalen Petrie has got to get his uh, his tackling cleaned up. And the biggest reason why is that he plays in the same division as Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne was absolutely destroying uh, Jalen Petrie in the open field uh, in, in his second matchup against the Houston Texans this year. I mean, it was just ugly. Some of the, the misses that he made Petrie miss coming down to tackle him. So, you know, I can't wait to see what Etienne does. Also a good receiver, so you can contribute that way. Expect really big things from Jacksonville's back this year. Atlanta, Bijan Robinson. Uh, I'm guessing that if you follow the NFL, you heard about the eighth overall pick from Texas and and what a stud this guy was at running back. Uh, many drafting analysts had him as their favorite player in the NFL draft this year. Um, hey, you know, <coughs> um, excuse me, uh, expecting, you know, maybe not the biggest things from Atlanta's offense in terms of touchdown production, just because I have uh, very little faith in this Desmond Ritter experiment uh, based on the film I've watched of him. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to question the fact that the Atlanta Falcons uh, can definitely run the rock. And I, um, you know, given how successful Tyler Allegier was running it last year, I think that Bijan Robinson is going to be even more successful. Um, expect them to use him in a dual threat capacity from the draft uh, analysis. And, you know, I think that they really need a player like Bijan Robinson as a receiver as well, because, you know, I really like Kyle Pitts and I really like what Drake London brings as well as receivers, um, you know, with Pitts being the more dynamic route runner of the two um, and London being the one who's listed as the wide receiver, which I always uh, love love talking about how that's perplexing but you know th- those two guys are much bigger bodies and they bring you know a d- different um tools as, as our outrunners and receivers whereas Bijan robinson is you know by all accounts supposed to be able to run routes you know that in kind of that christian mccaffrey role where he can run a lot of the slap slot routes and he can you know flex out wide and he can run routes as an outside receiver as well and if atlanta can add that element particularly if they are playing all sorts of multiple personnel with Bijan Robinson available to carry the ball and Al Ajirda available to be that between the carry uh, between the tackles back if Bijan Robinson sort of a wing back and Cordell Paris Patterson is a second wing back you know it could be a cool offense in Atlanta and Bijan Robinson is going to be at the center of it all so all right get, get a sip of coffee there we've been going for a long time here with running backs but uh love love, to, love talking about these guys so uh rounding the show out here so we'll we'll get there all right yeah moving on to a, a pair of backs that uh were both injured last year uh brace hall with the more serious injury to the knee um tony pollard uh, had a broken leg um in his final game against the 49ers um, in the playoffs last year, but Tony Pollard, by all accounts, is ready to go. I guess he had a uh, tightrope surgery along with uh, recovering from that broken uh, ankle. So, you know, fingers crossed here, fingers crossed for Brees Hall as well. Maybe Brees Hall's brought along a little bit slower in the early going, but, you know, Brees Hall, if you don't remember what he did in the first half of the season, um, you know, the Jets had Zach Wilson at quarterback and they were still winning games because Brees Hall was breaking off, you know, 60, 70, 80 yard uh, touchdown runs every week, uh, you know. It was, it was either, you know, it was Brees Hall, and then after he was injured, it was Justin Fields just ripping off, you know, crazy long touchdown runs on a very regular basis, which, you know, nobody should be doing in the NFL. So, you know, if Brees Hall were coming off a healthy season with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback, he would be in the discussion to be the first running back off the board. Uh, we're, you know, getting him at, you know, you're going to have to deal with the uh, the fact he's coming off the ACL injury. But if Brees Hall comes back at full strength, I mean, you might be getting an absolute steal here, um, getting... Uh, Brees Hall as a tier three back. Um, 
Tony Pollard, another super explosive back, uh, you know, with no Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Vulture uh, touchdowns uh, down at the goal line. I think that Pollard might get in the end zone a few more times. Uh, you know, I think that there are questions about what happens in Dallas with Mike McCarthy taking over as the offensive coordinator, but there's so many good pieces here. So many good uh, players on the offensive line up front, especially, you know, ascending second year player uh, Tyler Smith, who is slated to be the left guard now. Could kick back out to tackle depending on, you know, if or when Tyron Smith gets injured. Uh, but, you know, Tyler Smith is, you know, has a chance to be the best run blocking guard in the league or best run blocking lineman in the league. Uh, you know, once Trent Williams uh, moves on, I mean, he's just uh, unbelievably athletic. So that's just going to make life easier for Pollard, who, you know, is going to contribute both as a runner and a receiver. And then uh, rounding out this tier three group is uh, Jameer Gibbs from the Detroit Lions. So, you know, very excited to see Jameer Gibbs in action. I mean, him and Robinson, you throw on their college highlight days. It's just absolutely absurd watching these guys in action. So, you know, the Lions, uh, you know, after they, uh, Snag Gibbs in the first round, you know, you got to think they're going to emphasize him. And I'm really, really interested to see with his receiving ability, how it's going to work with him and Amon Ross St. Brown, because, you know, this Lions uh, coaching staff, of course, has a lot of roots with the New Orleans Saints and specifically the New Orleans Saints when Michael Thomas was the best receiver in the league and Alva Kamara was the most explosive pass catching back in the league. And it, the Saints did so many things in terms of stacking Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara as the two receivers to one side of the field and working both of them in combination routes in the short areas where they both excelled. And it was just a nightmare for NFL defenses. I think that you're going to see the Detroit Lions uh, use Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown in a similar fashion. So I'm really excited to see that on the Lions film uh, come, come week one to see if there are ways that they're using Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs together. So, yeah a bunch of young younger guys here no question that it's a roll of the dice you're playing the upside all those things but hey we're playing to win right and uh and i want to go with some explosive options uh for for some offenses that i feel are going to be putting up a, a pretty hefty number of points in general here so uh moving up to tier two i've got two more traditional backs that uh you know i, I think I'm going to roll the dice on, on more veteran guys with, with some some tread on the tire, right? So it's going to be the Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants and Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns, who's my running backs three and four. So uh, this tandem here, you know, obviously both coming off of good years. Um, Nick Chubb coming off of uh, is it six straight good years now. I mean, every year since he's entered the NFL has been a good year for Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, he's uh, got the potential to be playing in the best offense by far that he's ever played in. Uh, that assumes that Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, gets his game back at quarterback. But even if he doesn't, you know, I think that you're looking at a situation where Cleveland doesn't have maybe the same depth behind Nick Chubb at running back that they used to. And, you know, Nick Chubb's also, you know, he's not going to play forever. And, uh, you know, Cleveland up their usage rate with him last year. He was uh, up at 300 carries. Um, I think he got over 300 carries, if I've got that right, um, just barely, um, which is a number he had only flirted with once before in his career. So I think that, you know, with the, with the situation that the Browns are in now, they they're letting it all hang out um if you look at their salary cap over the next couple of years it is alarming um it's going to be difficult for them to maintain the talent level that they have around sean watson on on the current iteration of the team so it's go time so i, I expect chubb to be a focal point because you know seating is going to be important in the afc there's you know no uh going into this thing with your foot off the gas particularly in an afc north where every team is going to be competitive and you have at least uh one Super Bowl contender in the Bengals, if not three, um, if the Ravens and Browns, you know, pan out. I'm not, not sure the Steelers are going to fit that designation. Um, but hey, you know, stranger things have happened as well. So, uh, and 
you know, Nick Chubb, you know, like he's all, you know, his numbers, his track record speaks for itself. I mean, over five yards of carry, I believe every year in the NFL, Browns still have one of the NFL's best tandems at guard with Joel Petonio, Wyatt Teller. They're solid at every O-line position. So, you know, even if Sean Watson washes out, you know, I expect Nick Chubb to be a very productive player for the Browns this year. And then Saquon Barkley, um, you know, coming off a uh, very productive year with Brian Dable and, and Mike Kafka running the show for the, the Giants offense from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, Barkley is in camp uh, after, you know, signing – kind of an odd deal i think you can go check read up on that if you want to but it didn't really seem like a deal worth signing versus the franchise tag um but in any case you know barkley his frustrations with the team were well documented and you know maybe that's not the best situation in the world but at the same time you know he had high high usage last year he seems to be on better terms with the team at this point and he's in camp so he's on board and ready to go so i expect him to get you know a bunch of touches this year and you know i don't know maybe maybe these guys really should be down in that in that tier four group that i established but uh you know i i, I kept him up here so yeah is what it is is that uh, certainly not an exact science drafting fantasy football players so uh that that brings us to uh running back tier one and we'll round this out with running back one and running back two who are uh, uh two running backs out in out in california with uh los angeles chargers and austin eckler and, and the san francisco 49ers and christian mccaffrey and two just unbelievably talented backs in terms of their abilities as 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 dual threats as, as runners as pass catchers um, i've got these guys projected to be in in the 1450 to 1650 total yards range and, and the 9 to 13 uh, total touchdowns range um, you know obviously just the cream of the crop in, in terms of the fantasy world um, for running backs uh, you know i will get into in, in the wide receiver show um exactly how i've got this all stacked but i i am leaning towards for the first time putting my wide receivers ahead of my running backs um you know just e- even as I look at these tier one backs, you know, as I say, you know, the best case scenario for Austin Eckler is unbelievable. This is a guy in, you know, uh, who is at odds with this current team. And and then, you know, in San Francisco, I think that, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he, phenomenal. The fit was, you know, out of this world, but he still has a, a ton of tread on the tire. And, you know, another injury is certainly possible. And I, I think it's, you know, also not out of the question that, you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't use him at some of the crazy rates he was used at in Carolina. I mean, I think, about the rate he was used at out of the gates by Matt Rule two years ago, where it's like, yeah, well, this is great that Christian McCaffrey scoring, you know, damn near 40 points a week in fantasy, but I don't think he's going to do this for, for much longer. And, you know, sure enough, he, he didn't make it out of September. So, yeah, I, McCaffrey might not get the ball quite as much as he used to. I don't think either of these guys are likely to be a bust at the top of the draft, but at the same time, you know, that's just kind of where we're at in the fantasy world of 2023. So it'll be an interesting debate at the top, but I think that Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey really can't go wrong in terms of dual threat uh, runners, receivers, you know, great fit. Doesn't really matter. No PPR, half PPR, full PPR. They, these guys are going to dominate no matter uh, where you're at. So, you know, if that's the direction you like to go with for your first round pick, I, I don't think there's really any, anything to, uh, to nitpick about that too much or, uh, you know, barring injury likely to get a, a dominant fantasy player. So that's it for the running backs. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in my full fantasy projections, uh, information on that is available over at scubaseefootball.com. Uh, you can also check out my rankings for all the other position groups on the Scuba C Football YouTube channel or uh, the Scuba C Football podcast. I also have uh, write-ups for each of these groups uh, over on my uh, over on my pages as well. So, um, 
yeah, uh, as always, thanks for scooting into Scuba C Football. Uh, these uh, uh, position group previews are a little bit long for sure. So if you uh, stuck with me through the whole thing, uh, good for you. And, uh, you know, if you can't tell, love talking NFL football. And if you enjoy listening, so much the better. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, look out for the rest of my uh, position uh, group previews as I uh, work towards uh, the start of the uh, NFL fan- NFL season here.